Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Amanda Donaldson is a speech-language pathologist in private practice in Phoenix, Arizona. She has a mobile private practice serving children with a variety of speech and language needs. Amanda started her private practice on the side of her job in the schools, and she also had a per diem job at a hospital. That was working well for a while, and then she reached maximum capacity in her private practice and had to decide what to do. Now, I firmly believe that starting a private practice part-time is the best way to start, but it is not the best way to grow. One of the things that I hope that you'll love about this episode is how Amanda talks about investing in herself and doing the math and figuring out whether or not her private practice was worth it. She also talks about investing in marketing and whether or not Google ads worked for her, as well as her decision to have a mobile private practice versus a brick and mortar. And she also shares about her experience in the Grow Your Private Practice program and what kind of things she's learned in the program to help her grow in a systematic versus a stressful way. So if you have a growing caseload and a wait list and you're trying to decide if going all in on yourself and your private practice is your next move, make sure to listen to this entire episode. Enjoy. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yeah. So hi, everyone. Um, I'm Amanda Donaldson. I am the owner of Communicant Speech Therapy. I am a private practice in-home speech therapy company servicing in and around the Phoenix, Arizona area. And I serve mainly children, but I do have some adults as well. I love that. So listeners, I have gotten to know Amanda fairly well in different programs, but what I want you to hear is really how Amanda got started. So could we start at kind of like the beginning of your career and like tell everyone from the lens of what then led you to start a private practice? 
Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to work with children ever since I was young. And then, you know, I was going to be the stereotypical teacher. And I was like, you know what? I had a speech therapist when I was a kid. And that's a way I can give back and not have a class of however many, 25 or 30 these days. They just keep getting larger. So have that flexibility, but then also be able to give back to something that helped me. So I did work in the schools. I was in the schools for about four and a half years. I started my private practice in September of 2019. So that was about two years after I graduated with my master's. And I started it as a side gig, weekend, Saturday job, where I was just driving to maybe four clients max on a Saturday while still working your 40-hour work week in the school system. 40 or sometimes 50, I guess I should say. For those that are in the school system, they know that it's not always quite 40. And then slowly I had more inquiries and decided I was also working part-time at a rehabilitation hospital. And I was doing that every other Sunday. So I was working about 28 out of 30 days a month. About partway through COVID, I quit the rehab hospital and picked up some more clients on Sundays. So that's kind of how I started. And now I am full-time private practice and no school, no other jobs, just me and my business. I love that so much, right? I love lots of things that you just said, right? I love that you talked about how you were able to start your private practice only two years into the field, right? That you don't have to Mm -hmm. wait for decades or whatever to get started. I love that. I also love that you started on the side, right? And that you mentioned not only having the school job, but also having, was it probably like a per diem situation or? Yep, exactly. And then you had that too, right? But Mm -hmm. then the first thing that you let go was that per diem job, right? So tell everyone, because a lot of SLPs do have multiple jobs, right? People have a full-time job maybe per diem and then start seeing some clients. So tell people what that kind of period of time was like and how you decided what to like, what to let go of first and all those kind of decisions. So I think with the rehab hospital, there was that little bit of, you know, COVID impacting it and it was just getting a little crazy with COVID. But I think even without having COVID in the mix, the documentation was different and I wasn't getting the pleasure or the feedback that I wanted. It wasn't as enjoying to me because it was with adults and many who had had a stroke and that kind of thing. And my heart was always just more with children. So that was, although the money as people who do per diem, you can make great money, especially doing it on the weekends because they'll pay you the increase for a Sunday or a holiday. But the money wasn't everything for me at that time. And although it was great money, it wasn't where my heart was. And I was feeling so much more rewarded work in what I was doing with my clients on Saturdays that I was like, why am I doing this on a Sunday if I can have more clients and not work an eight-hour day twice a month on a Sunday? So I just added a couple on a Sunday just to have a short four-hour day, but a little something. So I think that's how I ended up leaving the rehab hospital. And I will say when I started the rehab hospital, it was great because I started that as soon as I got my seats, I started there and it really kept everything fresh in my mind because it had me working the schools. It had me working adults. So everything was fresh in my mind and I was using all of the knowledge that I had learned in grad school and applying that and then really figuring out, okay, what job, what setting is the most rewarding for me? What do I find the most 
benefit from? Who do I feel like I'm helping the most? And where do I want to go every day? And it wasn't the rehab hospital. And that's going to be okay. Did I benefit from it? Absolutely. But there were other things that I had a fonder interest in. And that was the direction I went. So you can absolutely have three per diem jobs. I, I did it <laughs> for two years. Um, and then you kind of realize, okay, you know what? This was great you know, I call it the honeymoon stage. It was great. The first little beginning of the per diem job. And then you're like, oh, this is getting old. Same story, different day. I need a change. And that's when you kind of have to find what is in your zone of where you're most productive and where you're most successful. Yeah. I love that. And it sounds like you probably also did some math, right? Probably you're like, you know what, this mm-hmm. is how much I'm making right in the sniff. This is how much yeah. I would be making with my own clients. And that's something I really want to encourage our listeners to do is just sit down with a, you know, pen and paper, a calculator, a spreadsheet, whatever kind of a person you are and run the numbers and just see what makes sense for you financially. And then if you're going to be able to make more working for yourself and be with clients that you love, it's kind of a no brainer to let go of that per diem job and pursue your own private practice. And that's exactly how I was with the school. You know, I wasn't making nearly as much as I am now in the schools. So for me to say, you know what, I'm not making as much. I'm with what a group of three children for 30 minutes, once or twice a week. And then I say, go home and practice this. And you know, as opposed to being with the families and incorporating family conferencing, counseling into my sessions, you see a much more significant growth in the children. So it was, I'm doing something, not making as big of a difference as I know I can be making, and I'm not making as much. So time for a change. And here we are. First, you know, I went full time in January and my father is actually a an accountant who just retired in October. So he's my unofficial but official chief financial officer. So I have a built-in accountant, tax person, CFO. And you know, we sat down recently and realizing that based on my earnings and my revenue, not income, but revenue in the first six months, I'm on track for six figures in my first full year. So, and that's a lot of kudos to you and the program that I'm in with you too. But I think it also goes to show you don't realize how much more you could be making until you start doing it. And it's a scary moment for a little bit. There were some tears, but we did it and we're thriving. So it's okay. I love that. I love that, that again, it all comes back to the math, right? And to like just yeah. running numbers and seeing it. And I love it when people mention stories like you, where they have like a family member or a friend, an accountant or a lawyer or some such thing, and they share their numbers. And usually people are absolutely blown away by what we can do on our own in private practice, especially when you keep your expenses low, right? That's one of the places where sometimes SLPs and OTs get in trouble a little bit is if they take on too much overhead at first, like before they have enough revenue coming in. So before we started recording, one of the things that you and I talked about was basically having a mobile office, right? That you don't have a brick and mortar. Right. Yeah. So I'm all mobile. I'm all in home. I live out of my car. I have a mini grocery store of snacks and waters for when I get hungry. My materials are in the trunk. And so I have no rent. I have very minimal expenses. Obviously, I have higher gas expenses, but those are a tax deduction. So that's kind of taken care of. I'm not paying anything other than car payment or gas. So there's no rent. There's no insurance for a a clinic, brick and mortar clinic. And I think that 
not only is that convenient to me and it's less hassle on my end, but it also is much more convenient for families. I have a lot of clients who have come to me because they used to be at a clinic. Maybe they weren't getting a one-on-one session. Maybe the child was distracted because it's in an open environment, whatever it might be. Or the parents just can't, parents work a lot these days and the parents couldn't spend that extra 15 minutes or 30 minutes driving to and from a clinic. When I could come to the house, they could either be with me in the session or part of the session or making dinner or doing homework with another kid. So the flexibility for families is also huge and often where I get a lot of my draw from as well. Absolutely. Because people really want that convenience and they want the carryover, right? Like, I think that's one of the Mm -hmm. things are so happy is like, oh my goodness, you can come to my house. Like we, you can work with my kids in our home environment. Like that is priceless in terms of things like carryover. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many SLPs and OTs are frustrated by their, you know, jobs in their, you know, regular settings is you just don't see that carryover, especially if you're doing groups or you're doing, you know, things that are kind of outside of a normal thing, you can make so much more progress and really go deeper with people, right? Seeing a smaller number of clients, but seeing them really well and, you know, doing a great job versus seeing like a really high caseload and feeling like you're not quite sure if you're making a difference in like, you know, many of these kids' lives, right? Right. And not only that, but I also find kids are a lot more verbal and vocal when they have their toys and their room or their play mat or whatever, wherever you're working with them. And they have that sense of familiarity. There's not as much unknown. Yes, you're initially a stranger to them, but they feel safe being in their own home. And they are very quick to open up to you and you see them in their natural environment. And as you said, parents can easily carry over because a lot of what I'm doing with them might be things that they have in their home, which on a side note is another decrease in my expenses because I do use a lot of materials that families and children have in their home. It's not like I have to have a bookshelf or a file cabinet of materials and everything. So I think that the convenience for everyone, as well as the increase in language and compliance in a lot of cases really helps. And it's okay to not have a brick and mortar. And who knows, I might never have a brick and mortar just because in my area, there are brick and mortars, but there's not many, if any, in home therapists. And that's where I get a lot of my clientele from. So you know, we talk about in our one of the programs about how you stand out from others. And I don't really have like the red starfish. So I don't have that, you know, a specialty or something like that, really. I mean, I have a lot of past experiences with autism and nonverbal, but I don't consider myself a specialist in anything. So what makes me stand out is that I'm mobile and I come to you. You can stand out in different ways and market yourself differently. And it doesn't have to be a clinic from day one or from day 71. Yes, yes, yes to all of that, right? (laughs) So what we're talking about listeners is the idea of like positioning your private practice, right? And how are you going to stand out from other people? And it's not necessarily like how to stand out from, you know, air quotes competitors, but it's like, how do you attract the people who want the type of services that you deliver? And so this is something we talk a lot about in the Grow Your Private Practice program, because when people are first getting started, you know, they're just trying to see as many clients as they can just get started and they haven't really thought about how to differentiate themselves. So once you really start to grow, you do want to think about how you're going to attract the type of clients that you want 
And I mean, I'm going to use the word repel, right? But you're going to repel the people that you don't want, right? And so the red starfish that Amanda referenced, one time I was in California and I was walking along the water and I noticed there was all these starfish and I was like looking at the starfish and they were like all normal colors and there was one red starfish and it was so cool and I took a picture of it. And I just loved it because it stood out, right? It was cool to see the other starfish, but like they were, they were just blending in, right? But my eyes were immediately drawn to that red one. So that's the kind of therapist that you want to be, no matter what type of clinic you have, whether it's a specialty practice or more of a generalist practice, which is what you're describing, but you're standing out because of the service delivery model, right? The in-home therapy versus like a clinic. So I love, I love that you're doing that. My next question is, where are you getting most of your clients from, like from a marketing perspective? Yeah, so definitely, I mean, Google ads have always been huge for me. For those listeners that don't know about Google ads, I don't pay monthly to post it or anything like that. It's not like a subscription. I pay when people click on my link and go to my website. I don't even pay if it's just showing. Just if someone clicks on it or gives me a call from it. When I started, that was how I got all six or seven of my clients when I was doing it only part-time. Now that I'm full-time, I have do have some word-of-mouth referrals, not only from clients, but also I have a client who has PT and OT and other services, and they've given my information to those therapists to give to their other clients. So word of mouth is huge once people know you're growing. And I think that's the biggest thing is I was a little afraid of word of mouth at the beginning because I didn't want to grow too big because I wasn't ready to leave my full-time job. And now that I'm full-time, I'm okay, bring on the word of mouth. I'll keep the Google hat up. But you know, word of mouth, not only from clients, as I said, but also when I worked in the schools, I told everyone obviously why I was leaving. And I have old coworkers from the school system sending me clients for parents who want outside services. So keeping those connections that you've made in all of your jobs. And for those of you who have per diem, multiple per diem jobs, That's great in the long term because think about all the connections you have to multiple people, which some of who I'm going back to now as I'm getting ready to hire and kind of reaching out, hey, do you know anyone? Do you want something else? That kind of thing. I love that, right? Keeping those connections is so important because you just don't know when like you're Mm going to get referrals from people, right? So I love that you talked about Google ads, right? Because that is great because that has to do with when people are looking for services, right? So like, you know, the way that we think about search engines for marketing is that people have intent to hire, right? Like your, your Google ad is going to show when people are searching for like speech therapy, Phoenix, or like, you know, something like that, right? The way that people, sometimes people get nervous. They're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to pay for ads. Right. But just like you said, you only pay when people click and you can set the budget, right? So it's not like you're all of yes. a sudden out like a ton of money, right? Like you can set what your budget is for that. Right. Absolutely. And then I'll usually get a notification, hey, you're coming close to your monthly max. And then I can kind of make the decision, oh, do I want to shut it off? Or am I okay to keep it going? Which I'll be honest, I've only had that happen once or twice to me. It might be because my monthly max is higher. But I think it just also goes to show that it's not that much of an expense to have that going. And when you think of it as if you translate, because this is what a lot of what I do too, you talk about crunching the numbers. And 
I always take the numbers and then bring it back into, okay, how many sessions is that going to cost me? Or how many clients am I going to see until that pays off? So for a Google ad, what? It might be three or four sessions a month and then it pays off. And hey, if I got one new client, one client is already paying for itself. So that's another like crunching numbers mindset that I've kind of adopted is seeing not only how much is the client worth to me, but how much is an expense worth to me? And in the grand scheme of things, is it make or break? Because I have 30 sessions a week. So to have three or four, it's not bank breaking. A hundred percent. And that that is a different way to think about things, right? Because I think when mm-hmm. people first start their private practices, a lot of people are thinking about everything as an expense, right? Like how much is that going to cost right. me, right? I hear that all the time. Well, how much do Google ads cost? I'm like, well, it's not so much how much they cost, right? It's it's about thinking about things in terms of an investment and how much can they make you, right? right. So if spending, let's just, just throw out some math for everybody. Let's say that you spend like $300 to get a client, right? Maybe that's how much it costs to get a client. But let's just say, easy math, everybody, that it's $100 per session and you see that person weekly for like, six months, you're going to recoup that $300 so quickly. So that would be a really good investment. So anytime you're thinking about investing in advertisements, in assessments, in programs, or anything like that, you just want to think about how long is it going to take me to get my return on that investment? And then Everything else after that, you know, you can think about as like, I always say, and the rest is gravy, right? Like the rest is just kind of free on top of what you've been able to achieve. Yeah. And I think for me too, another one of those ones that was like, ooh, that's much more expensive than I was expecting was brochures. Um, You know, if you're printing a brochure, those can add up, but how many am I getting and how many people could I reach with giving those out? Because With that, it's not only the person I hand the brochure to, it's Johnny and Susie and whoever else they know that they could pass on the information to. So yes, it's an expense, but it's making me something. So it's also an income. Okay. I love that. A couple more questions for you based on some things that you've just shared. So right now you're at 30 sessions a week. Do you remember... How many sessions you were at when you decided to go full-time in your practice? Talk to people about that decision, about when you decided to leave the schools and go all in on your private practice. Absolutely. So I was working when I was part-time right before I quit. I had four clients on Saturday. So I was about seven, eight hours on Saturday. And I had two sessions on Sundays. And then I had two other clients after school. So I had a total of eight sessions a week kind of spread throughout. I didn't really start marketing until probably around November, around Thanksgiving, I would say. I started amping it back up and I was like, I'm just going to put my feelers out, see what I can do. And I, within, I think, two or three weeks, I got a contract with a private rehabilitation house. So it was very small, but it was a contract. And... So those eight sessions then turned into, I think, 23 by the end of January. So I grew fast within that first month. And that's when I knew that I had made the right decision. For me, making that decision was partially hours spent working as well as the burnout. 
I was just getting burned out at school. You know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but at least I was my own boss. And if I wasn't making green grass, then the grass wasn't going to be green. So it was kind of my job to figure that out for myself. And I think that once I kind of had those couple big jumps and felt solidified, you knew that you made the right decision. So just persevering until you get to that point. But to the listeners, I wouldn't wait as long as I did. Um, In 2020 hindsight, I wished I had gone full time at the beginning of the school year and not done the half a school year. But at the same time, I am where I am now and no regrets. But I think it just goes back to the don't wait, you can do it. And if you have a dream and you want to chase after it, then you have to go for it. And you have to go knowing that it will be the best decision you've ever made because the ball's in your court and you can set it how you want it to be. What great advice, right? I think a lot of times people wait until they're almost like totally overwhelmed, right? Like you, by the Mm -hmm. time you left the schools, you were at like, super duper max capacity, right? Like there's no, right. And so I think one of the things that sometimes people struggle with when they're making that decision, do I leave my regular job? The problem is that, you know, I firmly believe and I teach people to start their private practices on the side, right? I believe that Mm -hmm. starting on the side is the best way to start. However, absolutely. You can't grow on the side, right? Like it's no. really hard to grow on the side and you're going to reach maximum capacity. There are literally so many hours in the week, right? And there's only so many times you can fit in spots. And like you were seeing clients like after work on Saturday and Sunday, like you were at max capacity, right? And at some point you can burn out from doing that too, right? And so right. that's the decision. Like, do I leave? And sometimes people get like, feeling like they have that they're not good enough, right? And so sometimes people feel like they have a capability issue that they're maybe not capable of running a business, but that's not it at all. It's usually that there's a capacity issue and that is what is stifling your growth, not capability. I would 100% agree with that. And I think the biggest thing is that honestly, if you've started your private practice on the side, you've done most of the business work, the big things like getting the tax ID, getting your LLC, getting that kind of thing is done. So transitioning to full time, at least for me in that early stages of transitioning, I was solely focused on growing clientele as opposed to a business owner perspective. And if you can be a therapist at a school or a hospital or a rehab facility or wherever you are, you can be a therapist in your own company. So I think that there's really nothing holding you back. If anything, it's yourself. So you can't give yourself more time, but you can use your time more effectively. And for me, that was helping make a bigger difference on people. And that would meant leaving the schools and going full time with my business. I love that. I love that so much. And it has been such a pleasure to watch this kind of thing unfold for you. So what would you say that the next six months to a year have in store for you, right? You're at around 30 sessions a week now. What yeah. what plans for the next, like, let's just say six months? Yeah. So just about a week ago, I hired my first employee, well, independent contractor. I hired a virtual assistant and I did not think that non-clinical staff like a virtual assistant would be my first hire, but being on the road all the time, it's not like I have time to do computer work or things like that. I love making websites. I love that kind of stuff, but I'm not good at it. So it's not something that I can just do really quickly. It was time consuming for me. So I hired a virtual assistant 
She started, she made a brochure for me. She's going to work on my social media. She's going to do my website, my logo, those things that I would do at 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night instead of spending time with my boyfriend and my friends and everything else. So that was my, that's my first big jump. I'm also working right now in the works of having a daycare facility with a contract with them, not only providing individual services for kids who need it, but the center is also interested in me doing like a language enrichment group for kids whose parents don't necessarily want services, maybe can't afford services, but the center knows that they just need a little extra oomph especially post-COVID is what they've said that they've noticed a lot of. So I'm hoping that that works out. And with that comes more sessions per week. So with that, I am looking right now to hire an independent contractor for an SLP. Hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe a little ambitious, but I don't think so. Within a month, I'll have an independent contractor. And then down the road, if I can keep growing, possibly another SLP A maybe. As an independent contractor is kind of my thinking. It's obviously a little harder, I would say, to hire for mobile just because they don't have a centralized location. But at the same time, I can give those clients to people that are outside my travel radius, right? Because I'm only going to travel a certain distance. And if it's farther than that, I charge travel surcharge. And if it's too far, sorry, I'm not coming 45 minutes for an hour session. So having a hire maybe on the other side of the city of the other side of Phoenix could also benefit me. So that's something that I'm looking into as well. So I would say for me in the next six to 12 months, hiring is a big one, continuing to market and grow my business. And then also giving myself more time is huge for me because I'm not good at relaxing. I'm not good at giving myself time off. So I think that personal growth is being okay with taking time off and also having people who can work for me to make me maybe feel a little more comfortable taking time off as well. So there's that as well. And in a year, I'd like to drop because right now I'm still working six days a week. So I would like to drop that down, hiring and less work for myself and more work on my business. I love that. And it'll be less than a year that you can drop that weekend for sure. I'm kind of like that too, where I really enjoy working. So sometimes it's kind of hard to like peel myself away. But I mm-hmm. love talked about hiring and specifically talking about the hiring of a virtual assistant because that is someone who will save you so much time in doing stuff that distracts you, honestly, right? Like making brochures at like 8 30, 9 o'clock. That is so yep. common for private practitioners, right? Who are so used to wearing all the hats. And then at Mm -hmm. some point, you're like, if I keep wearing all of these hats, I'm not going to sleep, right? Like, or I'm not going to have time with my partner or whatever, right? So hiring a virtual assistant is something that not a lot of people know about. And that's one of the really big things that we talk about in Grow Your Private Practice is how to hire virtual assistants as well as contractors and employees. But the thing with the virtual assistants is that they can do some of that stuff that either that you don't like doing or that you do like doing, but you're not as good at it, like, you know, websites and whatnot, but also Mm -hmm. like insurance companies or following up with invoices that haven't been paid, all of those kinds of things. So good on you for getting some of that stuff off of your plate so that you can focus on generating that income through sessions. And it was perfect timing that it all happened because it was just the week before that I had spoken with the daycare. So I brought her on on like a Saturday, like the July 2nd. 
And I was like, I need this brochure made by the end of this week. And there were three days or four days I came home this week and said, I should be making that brochure. And then said, I don't have to. I have someone to do that for me. And that was an investment in my business, but also an investment in myself. So that's kind of going back to that expense. It's not really an expense for me because it's giving me something else. Yeah. And because like time is money, also sleep, right? Or rest, right? Like you mm-hmm. recuperation time. And I think that's one of the cool things, you know, a lot of times when, when speech therapists start private practices, they they say, oh, I don't ever want to hire people. Like I just want it to be me. Right. And that's totally fine. Right. I felt that way for a long time that I was like, oh no, I'm just going to do this myself. But then all of a sudden, like your business starts to grow and you really do have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to keep doing everything, which to be honest, gets exhausting. If your practice grows, if your practice doesn't grow, then you can handle it. But if you really want it to grow, you want to help more people, you want to increase your income and your impact. The only way to do that is eventually to hire, right? So virtual assistants are great. Independent contractors are great. Employees are great. And I just love that you're doing this in kind of a short amount of time, but like you need to, because you're at 30 sessions, right? Right. Well, and I think that's the other thing too, is that right now I can't grow my business because time is fixed. Can't flex time. So I have the time I have. I'm not going to have more than this. And if I want to grow my business, I need people to help me grow it by taking on clients, especially because I do get a lot of clients who would be what I call lifers. So they're nonverbal or they might need therapy more than just your quick, let's work on your R sound. That's kind of an in and out for me as opposed to others are going to be there longer. So I can't take on more clients unless I have someone to hand some over to. I love that you're in the process of doing that. Before we wrap up, are there any other pieces of advice or things that you'd like to touch on for our listeners, whether it might be people who are like just thinking about going into private practice, thinking about leaving their jobs, anything like that? I would just say like, if you have the motivation, don't wait, go for it. Um, It's going to seem scary at first, but regardless, if you do make that leap today or tomorrow in six months and six years, you're always going to have that initial fear or that initial, oh my gosh, can I do this? Um, So it doesn't matter when you do it, but if you want to do it, start early and go after it because I mean, I'm 28. So I have a life ahead of me now that I've had my business for as opposed to waiting. And yes, it takes time. And yes, it is a learning process but it's short-term, short-term learning and things like that for long-term rewards and benefits. So I think that hard work pays off is what the stereotypical saying is. But in my opinion, you know, that motivation, drive and self-confidence goes a long way as well. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so (laughs) much, Amanda, for, for being here, for sharing your story, for sharing all of these amazing, you know, pieces of advice and lessons learned with our audience. And yeah, I cannot wait to see what happens next for you in terms of hiring, but I'm so proud of you for like starting your practice, transitioning to full-time and now really thinking about hiring. You're on a fantastic path and I've loved watching it and I can't wait to see what happens next. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Jenna. Of course. Thank you so much. Isn't Amanda amazing? She's a hard worker, and she talked about how she worked a ton early on in her career and how she's now building her private practice with a strategy and systems so that she won't have to work nearly as hard in the future. Starting your private practice has very concrete steps. 
but growing it can be more challenging because there are infinite ways that you can grow. People join the Grow Your Private Practice program when they are overwhelmed by their growth and know that they need help to build a sustainable private practice, which is exactly what we're helping Amanda and other growth-focused SLPs and OTs with. If listening to Amanda's interview inspired you to get help in the growth phase of your private practice journey, we would love to support you. Head on over to growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more about the GROW program. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope to see you next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT private practice beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.